Hi, I'm Scott. Welcome to the Synthetic Dreams podcast. From well-known pioneers to exciting new artists, on this show I interview musicians from the world of electronic music and beyond. Hi, welcome to the show. Hope you're all keeping well. Safe to say that I'm was pretty excited about this interview because it features Dan Laxman and Michelle Moez from legendary synth pop band Telex, who formed in Brussels back in 1978. Dan and Michelle have spent um, a few months now remastering and mixing these uh, tracks again and the albums are going to appear on a new box set it's released on april the 14th via mute records it's a six-piece vinyl box set all right six cd set and also available um, digitally i believe it was really good to speak to them and during our conversation we cover everything from when they worked with Sparks, the time they appeared on Eurovision in 1980, and also speak to Dan about uh, the time he worked with the great and much-missed Florian Schneider from Kraftwerk. It was really good to speak to Dan and Michelle, um, and it was just such an honour to just spend some time with one of the most, well, I think anyway, important uh, synth-pop bands or pioneers, you could even say. So here they are, Telex. So it's, it's great to have Dan and Michelle on the podcast today. So thanks for both joining me. Just speak to you about the forthcoming box set. Just talk about the kind of when you first had the idea of releasing the box set and, and, and kind of the work that went involved remastering and, and mixing it. It was incredible because uh, we still had one album. We, we didn't have the, the, the rights of the last one. So, and, and when we had, when we had the, the rights again, we had everything available. So we thought maybe we should reissue. So what would be the best uh, label and of course our ultimate dream was mute records of course oh, really and we said mute records i said what but should should we dare to to ask you know and so we found uh, the email of uh, daniel miller and we sent an email and i think the next day we had a uh, an answer oh yes uh, we're interested so amazing incredible so we we almost in- instantly we had a uh, it was very exciting so so the idea was to um uh, to only um uh, at first to only uh, remaster you know because of course i still have all the original analog uh, tapes mixes but uh, when we start listening to it, Michelle and I, and it was the pandemic, so we had plenty of time. Uh, some songs we were a bit re-listening to it, were a bit maybe frustrated, or I don't know. The feeling that it could, could be better, better mixed or whatever. And so we, we said to ourselves, but 
is it fair to do it because uh, it's not cheating or whatever, or is it? Uh, and then we say, well, at least let's try yeah. a few tra- one two tracks and see what happens if we if we are happy with the. And and we did, and we it was so we were so happy with the the result that we decide to do it to to check all the albums and to decide if we happy with the original mix of if we would do a new one. Uh, uh, and fi- we fi- finally we remixed uh, sixty tracks exactly, so about half of of the repertoire. And the idea, of course, the challenge was that at the end, when we would master masterize everything, there should be no difference between the original mix and the new mix. And it was so like this that even myself, sometimes I couldn't remember one track when it was mastered, uh, if it was the original or the new mix. So I think the challenge was was okay. Yeah. To we, we really have something coherent between the old mix, the new ones, and I think it was so. And uh, Paul was very happy with that at Newt when he received everything. So, voila. I mean, it sounds like a, a, a massive undertaking, a big a big job to do. So oh yes, but how, we, how long how long did it take you to well to master everything? A few months. I don't remember because it was not every day, of course. But uh, we took it with ease, you know, because it was the COVID stuff. So, uh, well, there was less work for the studio, and most of people, I working, we were working with uh, Skype or Zoom or whatever. So we had plenty of time. So finally, it was not, but it it took a long time, but we did it patiently so every album at a time and so and we didn't rush the mix we one two mix per day so it was really relaxed i mean mute records i mean i could have i mean I, i'm sure I, I read somewhere years ago that daniel miller was a fan of telex i mean and that for him to, to work with you guys must be a dream for him as well i mean he made form i think silicon teens was a yeah, kind of formed after hearing Telex, I believe, and he went and did a similar kind of style of thing of taking the old rock and roll records and putting a synth pop, you know, yes. cover to them. So yeah, it's nice as a now you're working with with Mute Records. You know, it's a nice kind of history. You know, that that it, it should work. have happened before, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that's fine like this because it's really. Everything going, coming out after more than 40 years, it's, it's great. Because at the time, we thought we would make music, um, disposable music. So it's it's funny to see that there's still an interest after all that time. I mean, if, if you just you said disposable music then. I mean, it's, it's very, very, very good disposable music. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've heard, and I'm not just saying it's because you're on camera. I think every, every single track I've heard of yours, I've, I more than loved. I mean, even when you you say, you know, um, we'll talk about this a little bit later about the Eurovision track. I know you famously said that you were, the idea you're going to come last, or you didn't think it would do very well. And a, it's a good song, and b, you did you did quite well in the contest. So it's like, you yes, know. but the idea of being first or last was because it's the only 
group of pe- pe- person that people talk about, you know, That's the other true. ones, everybody, everybody is forgotten. So yeah. being first, well, it's great, but being last, the people true. talk about you too. So yeah. that's it. But that's why the UK, the UK is always last. I mean, there's that joke that we always, we always hear nil, nil poire, the UK. Uh, yes. we all, I mean, I think maybe that year, though, 1980, we did fairly okay or something like number 13. So, but usually UK is, is like right at the bottom. So well, <laughs> there we go. Just to, to say the truth, I don't really watch the, the results usually. Yeah. No, no, but I bet it was an experience. Yeah, so back to the box set. Um, these um, these tracks, you obviously you know inside and out. But when you were working on the remastering and the mixing of some of them, what are some tracks that you you haven't heard for a while that surprised you and you thought um, I really like that, or was it, it all still very? Yes, especially the the two unreleased tracks that I discovered it was on the tape, uh, kind of demo stuff. So, and, uh, whoa, especially, uh, dear Prudence. When I heard that, I, I said to Michelle, but that's incredible the way you sang it also. Uh, I said, are you sure? Because we were not at the time we were not satisfied. So it was sitting on a shelf, you know, but it was fantastic. So, and then when the first visit of, of Paul in the studio, uh, we we made it listen to him. And uh, he said also, that's great. It's fantastic. We should issue it, you know, uh, as a, a bonus track and released. And, and we had another track also a bit in the same vein uh, from Sparks, uh, number one in heaven. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the second original and those ones we uh, yeah i think dear prudence we didn't remix i'm not sure i don't know we 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 added some a few vocoder because it was it was not finished yes so we remix i don't because i was saying before you you came i was saying uh, that that uh, at the end we we didn't know myself i couldn't remember exactly for one track if it was if we had remixed it or if it uh, was only remastered so because that that means that we we really uh, uh succeed in making uh, everything co- coherent coherent you know the original mix and the new one so i really can't remember if we i know uh, the sparks tracks we remixed it that that's yes, for yes. sure yes but because, dear prudence yeah. i'm not sure i think it's the original of we we added a few things so we yes i don't know it's possible we, we added some harmonies with the vocoder Okay, so so then we we remix it also. Okay. In fact, for me, I couldn't listen to the to the sex album. Uh, yes. The words by 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 Sparks because I don't know the the it sound very aggressive. The, yeah. the sound is quite medium, and the way I sang, I don't know if I wanted to compete with Russell May who was in the <laughs> studio. Yeah, it's like I'm singing so. Like claiming my seat, you know, or like claiming something. So I couldn't listen to that. And so now it's probably after the remix, it's probably yeah. my favorite because I rediscover also the tracks and my voice is more yes. inspired. And, and so that's probably the main yeah. thing I, I, I like in, in the work. Yeah, it's it's the first album that we decide to to remix exactly because we really thought we I was getting sick at the time, you know. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's a fantastic album. Yes, uh, I think so. Now, uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I actually did. When I first heard it, I think I just heard some tracks from it. And I, funny enough, thought this sounds a little bit like Sparks. And then when I read that Sparks had done the lyrics, it was like, yeah. oh, you know, your brain is like, yeah. um, being a fan of Sparks as well, it's like kind of double whammy for me. It's, it's so good. Um, so we could maybe, um, while we're here, we could maybe talk about the album a bit. So at, at the time, how, how did that work? I mean, obviously, did you, did you meet up in the studio with, with Sparks or was it mainly Dan, you the music and then sent it to them and they worked on the lyrics? Dan is going to explain. Yeah, the, the story uh, of working with Sparks, in fact, uh, in 1978, uh, at the beginning of TEDx also, um, I also produced a young singer called Leo with Marc Boulin, you know, and record everything. So, and we had a, the first single was a big hit, uh, Banana Split. And so we made an album just uh, after in French. And uh, she had a lot of TVs in France, especially. And on one of those TVs, she, she met Sparks and Russell proposed her uh, to make an English version of, of the album. And she said, okay. And so they decided to make an appointment here in Brussels in, in my studio to record, because she was living in Brussels, uh, to record the, the English version. And so we made appointment, everything. The Sparks came to Brussels in a hotel they came to the studio, but Leo never came. She was completely, you know, uh, on burnout. It was so huge, the success. So she didn't came. She didn't come. And, and we were, uh, at this time, we were recording the sex album. So, of course, we met uh, all together. And then they, they, they proposed to, to make the English lyrics, to stay at the hotel and... And to make the English lyrics for for the, the the album, and also to to coach Michel, so it was very. That's what Michel explained that he maybe he felt challenged, so he sang really very hard, you know, to a bit too to, and, and that's how it came. So uh, uh, that's the story of, in fact, voila. But I I think. Dan and Mark had many stories to tell about Russell's and Ron. Oh yes, they were in the in the studio in the other part. I was very isolated with the okay. mic and the, the headphones, so okay. I knew a few a few funny things because Ron has such a sense of humor. Of humor, incredible! Yes, funny. Okay. Uh, yeah, and um, especially I mean, um, I watched the the documentary about Sparks and the yeah, oh, great. Yeah, I mean. Um, and as I say, obviously, um, you're obviously very serious about the music that you make, but obviously there's a slight humour in your music as well, which yeah. I really love because being a fan of comedy and a fan of electronic music. Um, so it's really, really good music, but there's also, you know, it's a fun element to, to what you do as well, which I love. Um, was that always the approach to have a bit of humour? I think it, it's it, it's necessary here in in Belgium because we have been invaded by everybody. You know, you know, there were the Roman, the German, the, the, the not the other. English. Um, everybody, no, but, right. but the at the time it was France. Maybe I don't know. I don't remember. So yeah, the Spanish, the Germans. Yeah, the... 
the, yeah. the Spanish, uh, the Dutch, the uh, French, the but not so the English. We, we had to, to mention some the kind of humor to resist, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a, um, and with, with Sparks Down, you went, you went on to produce or engineer, is it then, Face Album? I think they really liked uh, Brussels, for sure, and the studio too. And then they came to make uh, their their own album. And it was just after having work with uh, Giorgio Moroder. Then they were in, in Munich and they were not very happy. I don't know. But here they felt really comfortable. And so we, yeah, I engineered, I think, two, two albums. I don't know. And it was great. And in fact, they they rented a little apartment in the other side of Brussels. And they, every day they came by tramway to the studio. They really liked that. And people would recognize them and ask autographs. And so it was great. So they really liked it. Uh, and uh, at night we stopped around uh, 8 p.m. And then we went to a restaurant together and with Mark sometimes and Michel also and voila. No, it was, and so they became friends uh, i can say so it was really great to work with them very very nice well yeah. i was going to ask, ask about as as telex i don't know because um did you know in the very early days did you did you play many concerts or were you mainly as wanted to be known as a studio-based band or did you play many uh, apart the eurovision we never made any no appearance <laughs> yes we, had, we had some we had some tvs or of some local shows but never it was always lipsing you know Lip-back, lip-sync, we never played yeah. really no. we didn't in fact mainly mark and i had some concerts before telex i mean and the, the technique was all always a bit uh, wrong so it, it didn't <laughs> urge us to to have a concerts with telex because electronic was very difficult to yeah to you know it's kind of well, it, where where to play you know just the the main city so we had other jobs also so it would have been difficult it would have been difficult yeah. yes but also it was a studio concept because uh a multi-track concept so uh, to make it live we uh, we we would have needed uh, four or five uh, MOOCs, you know, and so it was really like some some groups did, like uh, Tangerine Dream. They had a lot of of, uh, but yeah. uh, so it was too complicated. Or we should we we would have we would have have to to cheat, and we didn't want that, you know. So to to so it was for us. It was a studio concept and. We're not, personally, I'm not very, I'm very shy guy. <laughs> I'm not very extrovert. So I, I really, what I prefer is to be in the studio and like this and, and not to be on the stage. And so it was perfect for us to, to make yeah. records and that was it. And at this time, it was maybe possible to, to, to live, uh, to make a living, if you have a bit big success nowadays, it's become completely impossible, of course. Uh, so that's why everybody is doing concerts, and now uh, every, everybody accept also that you you 
uh, you you uh, you go on stage with a computer and and tracks, but uh, so, but at this time it was very difficult. So even now, so for example, I yes, don't know people going to see a DJ on the stage yes. and simply dancing. Well, making movements. So I don't understand. Yes. <laughs> so and it, that, I mean, yeah. and I know equipment then synthesizers. They cost cost like this house, yeah. uh, the price of a small house. Yes. But, I wonder how did you guys um, manage to afford all this equipment? You must have must have been quite expensive in the seventies. Uh, yes, but th that's because I, I was the first in Belgium when I was very young. So uh, uh, my parents were uh, workers, so I didn't have a lot of uh, I didn't have money, nothing. But uh, I was directly interested at the beginning of the 70s by by this new instrument called synthesizer and so the only uh, one almost one of the only available was the modular of course i couldn't afford it at the beginning so so i bought a little one an english one a ems vcs3 that i still have wow. and it was in 72 i think just the day, the the year of the big success of the, of the track called popcorn you know beep, beep, yeah. beep, pop, pop, pop. so it was a new a new uh, hit a new instrument so everybody was asking what's that well, and so i just received my vcs3 and i was working in a studio in brussels madeleine studio madeleine as a assistant engineer and and so my boss made a kind of show so i could show to people i have one synthesizer so de facto i became to be a programmer and i did a few records and happily i had a hit also called coconut so uh, i needed to invest not to give the the money to the state and so i decided to invest in the module why so I bought it so and the, the modular it was in seven because I just saw it in studio 75 so a few years after and so I had the modular then I bought polybooks uh, and then the vocoder so I had everything and I was making uh, sessions in Belgium and working with Mark also and one day I, we did five Four albums, no, three albums in a, together, Mark, and a bit experimental. And in one of those albums, Michel came to, to record a few songs, so we knew him. And one one day in a session for Mark's uh, group called, uh, it was called uh, uh, Placebo, yeah, like the, the, he asked me, what do you think of making an electronic group together? I said, oh, yeah, that would be great. And he said, yeah, but of course, so we, we are two, but we we would we need a singer. What do you think of this guy we met, uh, the, the Michel Mours? I said, oh, man, yeah, that's a good idea, because he seems to be, or his songs were really a bit uh, surrealistic. <laughs> and so we, we made an appointment in the studio. In my, my small studio, I had a semi-professional studio with an 8-track Tascam machine and all the books, you know, the modular, the polymoog and everything. And so we we met and we decided to make a demo and uh, a song, you know, which one? And Michel and Mark, they discussed, they said, what about taking a French song like 
tu es à Saint-Tropez and make it completely, you know, slower and, and as simple as possible, minimalistic. And so we, okay, so we switch on everything. We did, and at the end of the day, it was finished. So I made a rough mix on a cassette. I gave it to Mark. And the same day at night or the next day, I don't know, he met a friend uh, and he made listens to Twista Saint-Tropez, the, the demo, by the way. Wow. And uh, he, his name was Herman, is Herman Van Laar. He said, yeah, he was working for a record company, RKM. He said, I'll make it listen to Roland tomorrow, you know, to his boss, Roland Kluger. And so he did. And the next day we, we had a deal. Oh, brilliant. It's almost, it almost like mute now. It was so easy. And so I said, okay, okay, but stop, stop. Wait, <laughs> it's only a rough mix. We have to mix it properly, you know? Yeah. And we have to make a B-side. And so a few days after we met again and we, we did a B-side for it. And we had a little snare drum uh, fills on the Twista Saint-Tropez on the last track, track eight. And uh, so we erased the, the, the synchronizer track to, to put a, a, did a new mix. And then that was our first single, Twista Saint-Tropez. Wow. Voilà. <laughs> it was a, a bit long, but I think it's the whole story of the beginning. Oh, it's wonderful. Felix. Such a good track. I mean, um, so how... So you got signed pretty quickly after sending that out then. And yeah. so how did, so if you weren't doing uh, concerts, how, how did you promote your music at the time? I mean, were there, did you do TV performances? Were there, were there TV shows you could appear on or put videos out? Yes, we, we had to. In fact, we didn't want to because at first we had some uh, back. Masks. Cagoul, right. Back- Masks, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But we, we didn't want to, to show ourselves were baklavas you say like for motorcycles you know so because we were all the three coming from different backgrounds yes. we didn't want belgian critiques to to make any relations so that was the f- and we also we didn't want we thought the music was more important than us so after a while the, the record was released in in germany and germany was asked asked us to to make another cover because there were terrorists at that time. Faction Armée Rouge. And uh, our look was too frightening. And, all, and also at that time, we had to make some, a few TV shows because it was not usual that we wouldn't appear. Or we, we thought of sending a, a video and they didn't want. Or oh, once we, we we make a video, they thought it was bad quality. So finally, <laughs> we had to do that a few yeah. times. But after the, maybe the third album, we had less success. So <laughs> we had not. We were not obliged to do that anymore. You know. Yeah, I, I think there's that the classic. I mean. A, there's not much footage on, on on online, but there's that very famous one of you on top of the pops, which mm. you know, rock around the clock, which is still fantastic, um, so wonderful visually and the way you know you sound, everything. I mean, can you can you remember playing top of the pops? Because in England, top of the pops was a massive show, 
Sadly, mm-hmm. not anymore, but yes. we all watched it as kids on a Thursday night. So can you remember playing Top of the Pops? Yes. In fact, we were asked because um, they, they had new machines like Quantel to make new images and they wanted to try it. And we probably were the only one a bit weird enough to, to make that uh, at that time to, to make uh, tries and, and errors, you know. So that, that was it. It's and, uh, our, as, as Dan said yesterday, we had to be there the day before so that they could already record things. And after that, make an, other things in, in direct, you know. So our performance was more like uh, we always try to not to be like a pop group. So maybe like Buster Keaton. So when I read the newspaper, for example, it, it was to prevent the camera to be on the singer when when the, the musician was playing a solo, you know, because usually it's you see on TV, you just see the singer. And that's all. That's right. So it was like um, being a group. Yeah, it's very clever. Yeah. Well, many people thought it was boring, but <laughs> no, no, not like me. Reading, reading the newspaper, doing that kind of show. Um, it's the humor. Got... The humor is very yeah. important to me. When I when I first saw that clip, it was just I just <laughs> love this. I absolutely loved everything about the way you looked, the music. I mean, can you remember who you were on with? I mean, were there any other musicians? Can you remember who was on the uh, same? Gary Newman. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Oh, yes. You, there was, uh, yes, I, yeah, it will, it will come back in memory in, in yeah. one hour, so it would be too late. I mean, um, listeners can look it up, but Gary Newman, yeah, I mean, yeah. Very it good was one. very strange because we, I was sitting next to Gary Newman in the cafeteria for one hour. <laughs> and we didn't speak at all together, you know. It was like, well, he's Asperger, and I was a bit, I think I was close to that too. So the the only, and at one time there was uh, people coming from a play, a theatre, and it, they were disguised Roman soldiers, you know, but very loud, <laughs> coming to take beer at the bar. And so, so Gary Newman left. So that's it. It, it was very funny. That's a funny story. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> so, uh, interesting to maybe go in a time machine. Um, obviously, I won't go on too much about how you all met and that because I'm sure you know people can can look that up. And um, but I'm interested to know when your both of your love of electronic music first began and what you were listening to that got you into electronic music. Maybe the artists or composers that you enjoyed. Well, there was not a lot at the time. Of course, some some um, some records like uh, Switch on Bach, for example, was amazing. You know, like uh, uh, everything done with the modular. By the way, the same one that, that I had, so it was like incredible. And even this this uh, popcorn uh, song was the first really track for in pop music using the synthesizer as an instrumental. So that, that's why I was, and I, I even can say Jean-Michel Jarre, <laughs> his first <laughs> album with Oxygen was also quite new, you know. And of course, you had Aizao Tomita, 
the Japanese guy also doing incredible songs with the so it was those kind of so that's why why I was really interested very soon by the synthesizer new sounds coming so uh there was not a lot really of course craftwork this was our main influence for with Telex and some other groups close Schulz, which is still doing things uh, and uh Tangerine Dream also German but, groups like this yeah But most most of them was not really rhythmic, you know. No, no, yeah, only craftwork was. Only craftwork was, was like. like um, so yeah. all, you had also classical like Stockhausen or people. Yes, like of that. course, yes. But in in pop music, it was mainly like for um, smoking pots or things like that, you know. <laughs> Especially <laughs> the dream, dream kind of stuff of yes. So uh, a part of craft work, there were not many people, right? No. Yeah. Of course, you mentioned um, craft work, and I know Dan, you worked with the great and very much missed Florian Schneider. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was it uh, for the the plastic um, pollution track? Yes. I mean, um, as a, as a fan of craft work, that must have been great to be able to work with him on that particular track. I remember, uh, I, sometimes I wanted to pinch myself to say, wait. I am here in my studio working with Florian because we did it, two of us. He called me one day. I think he was moving and uh, his studio was not ready. And we knew uh, each other a little bit because he, he, he liked Brussels a lot. And in fact, uh, every time he came to Brussels, we had some beers together or went to a restaurant. But he came sometimes... Uh, only to 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 be in Brussels and to to be to go to the restaurant and so on, and uh, so he, he called me and he said this time he said uh, well I I promised to do a track for a guy working for pollution uh, uh, could we do it together I said oh, of course yes Florian so he came. And we, we start from scratch and, uh, because the, his idea was to start from, make the rhythm from a dropping, you know, water. And so we sampled, we start from sampling that. We, I went to the toilet with a microphone and Florian just opened and he do it. And so I record a little bit of the water. Then I made a loop and we did everything together. And he came with a few very strange little synthesizer. And so we, we put, we did samples from some sounds and we made the song to be very quickly. Yeah. And I know he, he, afterwards he said to a guy who was working with us, uh, Uwe Schmidt is a German guy for the moment living in child, child. And he, in fact, he, this guy uh, did an album. Uh, he, he, he did an album of craft work in uh, a kind of uh, Latina way, you know, like. And and Florian liked it a lot, so they finally they met together and so on. But um, Uwe yeah, told yeah. me that that Florian was amazed by the the fast the way it was fast. We did this track. One day, I think, and then we listened the next day, we mixed it, and that, that, that was it. So, and so we sent it to, to uh, uh, the guy in New York who, who used it for his uh, 
uh, I don't know, he's got a foundation for uh, plastic uh, pollution in the ocean. That's how it came. It came. So, yeah, it was incredible. I said, really, I was working and it was like, I'm doing something with Florian. It's possible to pitch. <laughs> it was great, really. Yeah, wonderful artist um, and, and a great track as well and all again oh, thank you highlighting something that's extremely important i mean and that's only this week i think in the uk news they're they're finally going to ban single-use plastics um in the uk yes. so mm-hmm. you know now it's people are very very the more concerned about you know climate change pollution so that's yes. um, it's good that you did this track back then to highlight you know uh-huh. Real problem. I don't think people really realise, and I think that track helped yes. recycle and use less plastics because it's important to, to look mm-hmm. after the planet. Um, so, I'd like to talk about the, the sort of what you're working, the two of you are working on now. Well, the job we did was before. I mean, it for for uh, remixing Telex. I mean, yeah, it's about the thing we did because we didn't want to do anything new without Mark. You know, so yeah. we can work on our past. Or uh, on other things, you know, yeah. because we, I think we, we just doing the, the new mixes for Telex, we, we found a way to work and some general ideas that we are really, I mean, uh, when we started, I was a bit anxious because after 40 years, you know, first listen back to the music and without Mark, it was a bit, uh, yeah. I, I didn't know. And I didn't know also after 40 years, lives can go other ways and, yeah. and working I didn't know I wasn't sure we could work but it, it went very easily yes yes I'm interested to I don't want to keep too much more of your time um, a bit it's, it's okay I was late you, you can <laughs> you can take advantage of that yeah no it's just been such a fascinating conversation and I'm just interested to speak and then this could be a maybe a hard question choosing a particular favorite track but do the both of you have a favorite telex track that um you know you've always loved or is it quite a hard one to sort of like choosing a favorite child i suppose you mean Mm. particular favorites possibly i think i haven't we met somewhere before maybe i love that song that's fantastic song well, thank you. <laughs> but there are also, well, it's difficult. Of course. Yeah, I don't know myself. There's really so many, so many uh, tracks that reminds me, well, I don't want to compare with Paul McCartney, but <laughs> that reminds me uh, once I was interviewing him in in Paris and for, for a release of his album, uh, um, uh, creation uh, in the back in the backyard or something. And the one of the 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 girls she asked, "Can I ask you a question? What's your favorite Beatles album?" And so he, he was very <laughs> up to then. Then he stopped and he said, "My favorite Beatles album is all of them." And bang! And he did a big bang on the table. Everybody was like this. You know, so sometimes it's difficult to. I don't know. There's so many. Of course things so i think i maybe asked that question as a fan because i was still... uh, my favorite track of telex is all of them all of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the thing is that i mean 
we always <laughs> thought that the first album was the, the, the best, you know. Yes. It was fresh and so, and at, every time we, we were thinking of it and trying to, to reach that freshness and probably not reaching it all the time. So with the, the, the new mixes, we, we took some tracks out mainly percussions and things. And I think now it's more clear that the line between the first album and the sixth one, the, yeah. the line is more clear. Yes. It, it's more like uh, you can see the thread, maybe more uh, evident, evidently. Yeah. That's it. Sorry. In fact, for the first album, we only had eight tracks. Yeah. So we were obliged to stay simple anyway the the the, the main purpose was to be uh very simple so in the rhythmic so but we couldn't do uh, something or we should have copied to to a 16 track and that's what we did for the second album so we had more tracks and so on and so we had 24 tracks and so sometimes we maybe we did too too many and also uh, we we wanted to uh, use a new synthesizer. They were coming, so the first digital synthesizer, then the Fairlight. So uh, maybe we we uh, we lost a bit of of the the essence of Telex. So that's why with the remix, as Michel said, the, our uh, reference was the first album. I mean, for the production and the sound. And that's why when we could simplify and, and, and some, most of the time when we simplified, when we took one of the written tracks out, it was better because, you know, so in fact, it was uh, uh, a good experience to, to, to realize that finally uh, less is more as we, and efficient and that's the way we we work with the remix also it's funny because we receive multi track a lot of tracks you know and we listen to but what what's really essential and so then you can really do something more efficient as a as a many tracks that um maybe b-sides or unreleased stuff that's not included in the box set is there anything else out there telex wise is there any material that you haven't released yet or is most of it on the box set there are some yes but i don't know if there's probably a reason not, not to release them you know i don't know there are a few things nice things we did but i will quickly with, with the same with the same machines but um that were not telex, but maybe it could be uh, good tracks for some other people. Maybe singing another way than me, maybe better. Yeah. But uh, maybe that could project. be an idea after. But I don't know. Besides, it's yeah, there are some interesting things. But the, we'll see how it works. Also, if if the records sell, it sure there could be some follow up but if it doesn't sell i don't know we don't know we're ready to work you know <laughs> you just put it out there yeah have you ever guys ever thought about a book or anything like that as a, maybe about your life um uh, in fact with the release 
and on on internet you, you could get a kind of a roman photo a photo novel of our first trip to to germany to change a, a computer uh, and that, that's it but yeah. i don't think we have enough material to make a book we didn't we never tried to to really show ourselves so yeah which i think is for, for for me as a fan i think that's only added to the mystique of the band because there's not much there's not much footage of you on youtube not that many photos so it only adds i think to more magic more mystic because it makes you think oh who are telex well, are they real are they well, you know i love that you, you are really a fan you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been a fascinating conversation and I just want to thank the <laughs> two for coming on today and discussing the box set and, and about Telek. It's been really good. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was thank nice. You.